Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. I love it. So our scripture reading today is from the book of Acts, and um, it's Acts 8. When you look at the table of contents of the Bible, does anyone know where Acts is? No, no, no. okay. We practice telling the truth. Yes, (laughs) yes. Church history, yes, 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 work. So it's in the New Testament, church history, it's like, Many people believe that the same person who wrote the Gospel of Luke also wrote this. And so this is like right after Jesus did his thing. And then uh, the church was left to figure out what we were going to be like. And so I'm going to read through this, and I'll ask you to listen for a word or phrase that sticks out to you, and then call it out after I read it. An angel from the Lord spoke to Philip. At noon, take the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza, This is a desert road. So he did. Meanwhile, an Ethiopian man was on his way home from Jerusalem, where he had come to worship. He was a eunuch and an official responsible for the entire treasury of Candace. Candace is the title given to the Ethiopian queen. He was reading the prophet Isaiah while sitting in his carriage. The spirit told Philip, approach his carriage and stay with it. Running up to the carriage, Philip heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you really understand what you're reading? And the man replied, without someone to guide me, how could I? Then he invited Philip to climb up and sit with him. This was the passage of scripture he was reading. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was taken away from him. Who can tell the story of his descendants because his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Jesus, or asked Philip, tell me, about whom does the prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Starting with that passage, Philip proclaimed the good news about Jesus to him. As they went down to the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, water. What would keep me from being baptized. He ordered that the carriage halt. Both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, where Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Lord's spirit suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, just shout out, what is a word or phrase that stuck out to you from this reading? What should stop me from being baptized? Yeah. Water. Mm. Gaza. Gaza. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. Gaza. Mm -hmm. Tell the story. Yeah. Good news. Yeah. How could I understand without someone to guide me? Yeah. Rejoicing. Yes. So the reason why we read the Bible in this way is because uh, we believe that the Bible is a living text, and if there's a word or phrase that stuck out to you from this text, then maybe God is trying to bring something to your attention. So this is just a way for us to reflect together as community. 
Hey everyone, we have a new sermon series. Oh my gosh, we have a new sermon series. I'm very, very excited about it. And it is called, can I have a drum roll please? Can I have a drum roll with passion please? Okay, thank you. Ah, it's called Where We Meet! Yes, 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 yes. Um, Where We Meet is all about who the church is supposed to be, what the church is supposed to do, and what we can experience together as a church. In an age where you can get an app to practice spirituality by yourself, and there's cool podcasts, you can listen to the podcast from New City Church, what is gathering in community worth? Why is this a worthwhile activity? And what does it mean to be a church following God and not just a community center or a social club or an activist movement? What does it mean to be following God in all of this? So that's what this sermon series will be about. It is um, titled after a devotional by the same uh, name and, and there are folks in our community who are reading through that devotional along with this sermon series as well. We have extra copies in the back if you'd like. Um, say again? We, oh, okay, where we meet, okay, I'm workshop. So I think there has to be a little bit of like uh, acknowledgement of your neighbor because this is all about community. So maybe like uh, we do where we meet, okay? <laughs> but when you go to one side, you have to look at your neighbor. And when you go to the other side, you have to look at, you know what, this is not an individualistic sermon series choreo. We are not capitalist about our choreo. So, okay, ready? <laughs> Everyone, our sermon series is called Where We Meet. Yes! I'm into it. Okay, bless the Lord. Uh, if this is your first time at New City, uh, just, hey, you know, I, um, I know it's a lot. It's a lot. I know it's like a, it's like a drag brunch, but it's church, and it's like, <laughs> like, I get it. It's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. Uh, you're doing great. After uh, our sermon, we're going to have a time when you can answer, uh, people in this room can come up to the mic and respond to the focus question, when was the time you realized the good a church can do in the world? When was the time you realized the good a church can do in the world? I know that a vast majority of this room has had deep church hurt in the past, and so if this is a, a, a difficult topic, of course, uh, don't step outside of, uh, of what your body is telling you to do. But I do believe fundamentally that the church is a powerful organizing unit for bringing transformation in the world that is becoming increasingly rare. So uh, that's why I'm a church planter, by the way. That's why I'm a pastor, <laughs> because it's like, uh, if, if I believed that the world would be saved only from campaigns, then I would be a campaign manager. And if I believed that the world would only be saved by legislation, then I would be a, a legislator. <laughs> I probably couldn't be a legislator until I learned that word. But, I, but the point <laughs> is, that I became a church planter because I've witnessed transformation in churches that I've not seen anywhere else. Jesus is part of my theory of change. And one of the church spaces where I truly saw transformation was eight days ago when I got married. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. So, um, okay, 
Uh, all of New City was invited, by the way. So th if you were like, uh, I feel so excluded out of this. No one was excluded. You're welcomed in love. Some of you weren't able to make it, and that is totally fine. No shade, no tea. <laughs> but for those of you who were able to make it, uh, I thought it was a beautiful... I just... Uh, uh, I just loved it so much. I was like, oh my gosh, this is what it could be like. And some, one of the very self-indulgent things that I'm doing is as people compliment me about the wedding or say, like, you know, I had a powerful experience, I'm like, so tell me specifically what you liked about the <laughs> wedding. <laughs> you know, like, people are like, yeah, it was thoughtful, good job. And I'm like, um, okay, can you just, like, can you just, like, make, like, a, a 6 to 12 point bulleted list of, like, things that you liked or, you know, what, what spoke to you? Because it's fascinating to me. This whole wedding thing is fascinating to me. I experienced it in a new way that I never thought I would, even though I've officiated many weddings, I've attended many weddings, but I experienced this wedding in a different kind of way. And so I continually am asking people, like, what happened here that something kind of crackly happened? You know, like, there's, there was a certain lightning that, that happened there, like, you know? And so, yeah, it was probably because we had eight officiants. <laughs> but um, as I'm talking to people, one of the things that they always say is that one of their favorite parts was the cloud of witnesses. And uh, so if you imagine these, like, giant, giant Chinese lanterns, which Sarah Lee hand-painted. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She's like, so what do you want? And we're like, I guess a lantern. And she's like, okay, um, I'm gonna look up the individual plants native to Minnesota and theme them to each ancestor that they are recognizing. Cause Sara Lee doesn't play. So yes. The Sara Lee Bread Company can also take that clip if they wanted to <laughs> take some of that. Okay, so we have this cloud of witnesses where uh, the opening of the service was just um, people processing through the, um, the middle aisle carrying these lanterns as we acknowledged the different people who made a queer interracial wedding in a church possible. And so uh, we acknowledged the um, uh, Native Americans who for thousands of years took care of this land, um, thousands and thousands of years and continue to uh, in, in, uh, despite colonizers' best attempts and if the folks who preceded us on this land for thousands of years treated the land how our society has treated the land in the past 200 years, then we wouldn't have any land to celebrate on. You know what I mean? So uh, we are acknowledging uh, the Native Americans. And af after each uh, lantern, we said, I carry your spirit with me. Wait, we carry your spirit with us. So can we all practice that? We carry your spirit with us. Yeah, and I talked about uh, Liang Meixin, the first Chinese immigrant here to Minnesota who made Chinese community possible. Her brother's restaurant downtown was bombed because there was and still is a lot of anti-Chinese sentiment. And so we acknowledged that and said, we carry your spirit with us. And, and we talked about the, um, the loving crowd, uh, the loving couple, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> the people whose name was loving, who uh, went to the Supreme Court, they were, um, they were sentenced to a year uh, for an interracial marriage. Interracial marriage was a punishable, sentenceable crime, and then they pushed it to the Supreme Court. I'm fact-checking here. That's right, yeah, yeah, okay. I, and they pushed it to the Supreme Court, 
and they made interracial marriage possible. And so we said, we carry your spirit with us. And we recognized uh, folks who pushed in the civil rights movement, especially black leaders, who uh, 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 made a way out of no way and, and created a raised consciousness of race in society that truly all of society was a beneficiary of, least of which me personally, um, there was immigration reform in 1965 and if that immigration reform didn't happen, my dad literally wouldn't have been able to immigrate to the United States. So uh, we say, we carry your spirit with us. And then we remembered folks like uh, Marsh B. Johnson and so many people who fought for LGBTQ and queer rights. Um, so, so, so many people who um, advocated when uh, the HIV AIDS crisis meant that mysteriously people were dying randomly. Um, we remember that so much of the queer rights movement was people getting married uh, in, in back alleys and at hospital beds so that I could get married in a church. So like the queer rights movement was uh, part of our ancestors that were present and we said, we carry your spirit with us. And lastly, we talked about people who advocated within the church, within the Lutheran church, which Brian is a part of, and the Methodist <laughs> church, which we're part of. We're in full communion. There's no, it's where we meet. Somehow I believe the Holy Spirit is gonna bring together Lutherans and Methodists. So, um, and so, <laughs> so um, I love, I love, I'm married to a Lutheran, so uh, yeah. My best friends are Lutheran, it's fine. So, um, so uh, just acknowledging like, okay, like clearly I wouldn't be able to be a pastor Clearly, we wouldn't have been able to get married in a Lutheran church, uh, which, by the way, the Lutherans are, like, further along than the United Methodists, to be fair. And so, like, clearly, clearly none of this would have happened if there weren't activists within the church agitating for this. And uh, we said, we carry your spirit with us. And it's just interesting to me because uh, I thought people were going to say, like, you know, my favorite part was, like, your vows, or you know, like the something that you said to uh, specifically to each other. But what people really stuck out, what really stuck out to people, and what really stuck out to Brian and me was acknowledging the broader community. It wasn't just about like two people, it was about thousands of people, millions of people who have gone before us, whose name we don't even know to be able to recognize it. it was, it's about this universe, this galaxy of, of activism and history makers who made our marriage possible. And, and I guess part of me knew that, you know, two, two weeks ago I had preached about, um, it's not about what Brian and me, the wedding isn't about Brian and me, it's about what God has done. You remember that, any of that? So it's like God created the love between us and, and it's about God. But what I, I guess what radicalized me in that wedding or what, what really opened me up in, in that wedding was um, just realizing that it's more about community. It's more about the collective. Uh, Brian and I were uh, people committing to each other, but really it was about like everyone who was supporting the kind of this next chapter of life. You know what I mean? And, and that is so much, that's so queer in comparison to, uh, 1950s convention, you know, like 1950s white convention is like it's a man and a woman and it's just about those two and everyone else gets to 
witness this, or you know, like they're called witnesses, right? And, and it's like, well, no, actually, a wedding is, is you know, initiated, instigated by two people, but a wedding is really hundreds of people coming together and, and deciding something, or dozens of people, or whatever the, the family of choice size is. And I realized that, um, that this was something that isn't just a celebration of people being married, but it's also a celebration of the single people who were in this wedding being part of this. It was a celebration of the asexual people who were in this wedding part of this. It was a celebration of the divorced folks who were a part of this blessing and were like, good luck. But you know, we're just like, <laughs> like part of it. Do you see what I'm saying? Where it's like marriage isn't just like the one thing. It, uh, marriage is about the whole collective gathering together. God shows up where we meet. God shows up where we meet. And this is fundamentally why I believe in the power of church, is that I, I believe that Jesus was serious when he said that I will be present whenever there are two or three gathered in my name. That like there's something kind of electric. Um, how does it feel? It's like a like a like the the vibrant dustiness of a flower petal where it's just like so precious and so alive, but also so Fragile, yeah, and, and so um, something you're entrusted with. That's what community feels like to me. And of course, we have so many stories of how people have crushed the trust, have, have shredded the, the petals of what community is supposed to be. Of course, that is real. But unless we remember what we're building together, then all we're ever going to have is kind of this like individual vending machine kind of experience with church. And that is not what will lead to our collective liberation. So if the goal is for us to be free, like us having individualistic spirituality is not going to get us there. Um, and, th and this is where we encounter this uh, amazing part of the Bible about the Ethiopian eunuch. Okay. <laughs> Listen, this is in the Bible. This story, okay, so... Uh, we hear, meanwhile, an Ethiopian man was his way home from Jerusalem where he came to worship. He was a eunuch and an official responsible for the entire treasury of Candace. First of all, did you know that there was an African queen in the Bible? Her name is Candace. Yes, we're Candace. And, uh, and further, yeah, happy Black History Month, everyone. Yes, <laughs> Candace made history. Candace is in the Bible. Why are we, okay, yeah. So uh, Candace is in the Bible. Candace is cool. Candace is a queen. In, uh, in, you know, for royalty, uh, queens and kings have courts, and in that, that court, oftentimes the uh, people serving that would be eunuchs, which are people who were um, uh, um, biologically altered through surgery so that they couldn't have kids anymore. And so, uh, so there was a man who was a eunuch, and um, uh, they consider, by the way, they considered eunuchs a separate gender category. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yes! Uh, so it's like, there are men, and there are women, and then there are eunuchs. Well, well, well. <laughs> In the Bible! We don't even have to make it up. Okay, yeah. So, like, there's... <laughs> like, all the receipts... It's like the Holy Spirit was like, here are all the receipts. You just need to read the Bible. And we were like, eh. <laughs> and that's, 
the, it's all, <laughs> okay, so hallelujah. So there's this Ethiopian eunuch. And by the way, when we're talking about Ethiopia, we're not talking about like the geopolitical uh, line that the colonizers decided, what, you know, like we're talking about like, uh, well, Ethiopia wasn't colonized. We're, we're not talking about the geopolitical line as we understand it now. We're talking about like, it's, it would almost be like, um, if I were to say, I'm gonna walk from here to Siberia. You know, it's like almost like an uh, like image of how far, infinitely far something is. So it's like this person came from Ethiopia. It would be from Africa, but like it was just like, whoa, this person came a long ways. You know what I mean? So here we have this foreigner from Africa who's a gender minority coming up all the way to Jerusalem to worship. And some people, some scholars even doubt if this would have been physically possible to, to travel in that way in this era. Came a long, long, long ways. And this isn't in the Bible, but something that I have to believe is that, um, based off of other texts that talk about this topic, was that this eunuch was not allowed into the temple at Jerusalem. Because in the book of Deuteronomy, there's a little rule. Why that rule is there is another sermon. But there's a little rule that talks about if you have uh, your genitals altered, then you're not allowed in the Lord's assembly, which is a devastating thing. And so I, I, uh, I can't help but imagine that this Ethiopian eunuch traveled all this way, in many ways showed more faithfulness than everyone else, and then was shut away at the door. The Ethiopian eunuch, I believe, wasn't able to come to where we meet. And everyone lost out because of that, right? Like, this was violence against the eunuch, but it was, it was violence against everyone. And so what happened? Um, let me pull back in our scripture. So, um, so the Ethiopian eunuch was, um, okay, yeah. Okay, so um, so the Ethiopian eunuch was I, I can't help but um, believe was turned away. Philip is also on this road, and the Holy Spirit is like, I just need you to go on the road and walk. And Philip was like, Okay, like any other specifics, God, like anything you want, like I on at noon I want you to go on thirty five and drive, and just keep going, just. You'll know when. You're like literally so open-ended, right? Um, and so, so God was like, okay, I need you to go, go and, and go on this road and keep going. And so Philip, who would have been accepted in the temple, by the way, who, Philip, who uh, would have been part of all of the celebrations and the gatherings and the where we meet, um, uh, was out on this road. And, and he noticed this Ethiopian eunuch and the spirit... Um, the Spirit says, approach this carriage and stay with it. <laughs> Which you know is the Holy Spirit being the shadiest Holy Spirit in the whole world because <laughs> Philip was on foot. The Ethiopian eunuch was in a carriage, was being pulled in a chariot. So what does that mean? The Holy Spirit was like, girl, you better run! <laughs> so Philip is like, okay, I'm so glad I love God. Like, I, it's like running down the road to catch up to a moving vehicle. Listen, because sometimes God's not just like, hey, I'm going to ask you to do something. God is like, I'm going to ask you to sprint 
and do something. Like sometimes that's how the Holy Spirit works, y'all. And so, uh, so approach this carriage and stay with it. And so Philip's like running up to the carriage, like, <laughs> hey, like literally starting a conversation with someone in a moving vehicle. And then the eunuch is like, hey, do you want to come in? Okay, yes, thank you, God. Okay. So like, um, so the eunuch is reading this text from Isaiah. And it's kind of um, mysterious if, if you're someone who was shut out of the temple. You know, like, like uh, someone who wasn't able to go to the temple wouldn't be able to learn about what this is talking about or the context for this. And yet, the spirit of this queer person compelled them to continue to engage the text. Can we just talk about how many queer people have put up with so much getting the last and least, getting the crumbs of church, and yet our spiritual fervor, our life, our calling from God was so strong that queer people are like the most spiritual people I know. You know, like every queer person is like, yeah, I talk to God. You know, like even if I don't believe in God. You know, like there's, <laughs> there's kind of this like profound spirituality. And so, uh, and so the Ethiopian eunuch is like, well, hey, can you like talk me through this? And, uh, and Philip is like, yeah, so this is about Jesus. This is about a particular person uh, who was also humiliated, who was also shut out, who was also rejected and brutalized for who he was. This is about a Jesus who like, you know, like you read the, um, the book in Isaiah, like in his humiliation, justice was taken away from him, you know? And so Philip is like, hey, there's like one guy who like really understands this. And, um, and I just wanted to really emphasize that the Ethiopian eunuch is a person who is representative of all of the people who have ever been shut out of the church. And in fact, not just all the people who have been shut out of the church, anyone who's been shut out of anything. The Ethiopian eunuch is a foreigner. The Ethiopian eunuch is a gender minority. The Ethiopian eunuch is someone who wasn't allowed in the assembly. And what did the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit was not like, okay, we're gonna take uh, 50 years to develop a committee to figure out how the temple can be more inclusive of Ethiopian eunuchs. The Holy Spirit was like, girl, you better run. I hope you got your sneakers on because you're going today now. That's the kind of God that I wanna worship. That kind of God who has an imagination of like, we're just gonna do this because it is the right thing to do. We're going to do this because we are witnessing uh, so that all of the religious uh, vending machines, all of the religious legislations, all of the um, establishments can be inspired by and catch up with the folks who, you know, do you see what I'm saying? Like, we're trying to, we're trying to catch a God who's already like 10 steps ahead being like, come on, come on, come on. There's so much more ahead of this. And I can't help but believe that this is not just like some Ethiopian uh, eunuch charity case, like some of you have heard this text preached about. You know, it's not like, wow, Philip was so benevolent to be so high and mighty, and then he bestowed upon this, even an Ethiopian eunuch, the gospel. Like, no, no, no. The eunuch was blessing Philip. The eunuch was like, okay, uh, you got this wrong. Like, like, God is someone who's compelling you to go out onto the road. 
And Philip was able to give what he had, which was learning about the text, and the eunuch was able to give what they had, which was an experience of how the world actually works. And the meeting together is when the church changed forever. Okay, so they're in this chariot. They're riding along. It's the desert. It's very hot. Um, And they look over, and there's some water, which is like famously what the desert does not have, right? (laughs) Like that's like (laughs) off-brand water right over there. And Ethan Benyuk is like, look it, there's some water. Tell me this, why shouldn't I be baptized? Girl, okay, do you see, bam, okay, so do we see it? Like, do we see what is happening? Like, the the Ethiopian eunuch was blessing Philip by being like, okay, just walk me through how Jesus, who was humiliated and executed by the state, wouldn't have more to do with me than with you, (laughs) Philip. You know, like, this was like, give me one good reason why I shouldn't be baptized. Ooh-wee! And baptism is how we, as a Christian community, consider um, um, an acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit's presence. You know, like, we believe that the Holy Spirit's moving all over the place, here, there, everywhere, way ahead of us. But when we baptize folks, it's a mutual consent that we're acknowledging that the Holy Spirit is in this person. And so uh, Philip was saying, like, I would like your blessing to see that I am who I am becoming. And that's what I saw at the, at the wedding, by the way. There were people from every chapter of my life in one room blessing a marriage. By the way, they were telling so many stories to each other that I was like, oh, <laughs> like, please, 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 okay, okay, it's happening, here we go. Like, I, uh, my childhood pastor was at my baptism. My Sunday school teacher was at my baptism. Uh, or, I'm sorry, my wedding. Um, my campus minister flew from Boston to be at my wedding for like 24 hours in Minneapolis. Like, uh, people from New City who were there from the first day of when New City was just a group of people meeting in a living room were at the wedding. People from Northeast, our, our latest branch of the church, uh, it, were at my wedding. And all of these folks were like, okay, Tyler, we've known you in one chapter of life, and we're seeing this choice, and we all together are discerning that, yes, this is the right next chapter of life. Do you see what I'm saying? And so there's like a community discernment, a community endorsement that came from this decision, and the eunuch was like, I'm looking for an endorsement from my community The Ethiopian eunuch already knew that God was with them. (laughs) Let's be clear. The Ethiopian eunuch was trying to create a type of radical community where the Philips and the eunuchs of the world could see each other and bless each other and create something new with each other. That's what the Ethiopian eunuch was looking for. And I hope that, uh, that that was a really blessed, sacred, crackling kind of experience. And I hope that when the Ethiopian eunuch got back into the carriage, that they kept reading the book of Isaiah. Because, you know, uh, Ethiopian eunuch was reading some about Isaiah, the humiliation and all that. That is just a couple of short chapters away from another text that is just for them. Let's read it. Isaiah 56, 3 through 5. Don't, this is Isaiah, not talking about 
you know, so this isn't Acts. This is Isaiah, written a long time before. Don't let the immigrant who has joined the Lord say, the Lord will exclude me from the people. And don't let the eunuch say, I'm just a dry tree. The Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, choose what I desire and remain loyal to my covenant in my temple and courts. I will give them a monument and a name better than sons and daughters and children. I will give to them an enduring name that will not be removed. Do you see, this is why we call out a word or phrase that sticks out from the Bible reading, y'all. <laughs> because sometimes the Bible is saying something that's just for you. Isaiah, which was written hundreds of years before all of this took place, was saying there is going to be a eunuch who needs to hear that they are welcome in the courts of God. That in the temple of God, there will be not just uh, tolerance that they're around, but a monument that they are there. There will be something permanent that says every person in God's creation has a permanent place in God's imagination of community. I hope that that, I, that eunuch, despite all of the pain that they suffered, the exclusion and violence, the dysfunction and toxicity that they weathered, I hope that the Ethiopian eunuch experienced that Isaiah text as a love note from God. I hope that they repeated that to themselves when they were continually struggling with their families and their friends and their roommates, when they were looking at relationships that were broken that will never remend. I hope that Isaiah comforted them through those times and that they knew that a Jesus who was completely humiliated and completely excluded was in fact the beginning of a new world. And through baptism, through community, we can create a new world together. Amen? Amen. Amen.